This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 493 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Tonight, for the final USDF show of 2018, we are going to get a report of the USDF convention from listener and friend of the show, Ruth McCormick. Also, Dolly Hannon, chairperson of the USDF Freestyle Committee, is going to come on. And as usual, we have a great trainer tip. This is Reese Coffler-Sanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Hi Phil. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I, I'm not in Florida like you. Have a, <laughs> yeah. a wonderful day and enjoying soaking sun up and probably going to the beach, flying kites. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we have done the great migration for sure, and it is there's something to be said about having everybody here and everybody safe and sound. Knock on wood, and it it does take a lot of people to make this happen, and it is is not an easy thing to do. But uh, once you get here, it it is it is great, and it's you know it's when you start coming down every year. You know, I have my my friends here, and I actually had lunch with Glenn and Emily and Jemmy, our producer, sometimes. Uh, so it's really quite fun, you know, and you really do get into sort of your own little routine down here as well. So the horses arrived, you know, later in the evening yesterday. So today was a nice day. They all got turned out and all got baths and all got to hang out and do their thing, and, and that was great. So not going to lie, I'm, I'm really happy to be here and to be settled, but uh no no beach yet <laughs> okay All right. you well, probably yeah and you had a little little trip so don't be don't be talking to us that. <laughs> my little trip it was like the coldest week in, in florida of the year or something <laughs> like that so i'm a little um put off Jaded. by you know yeah it does get cold in Florida. That's what people kind of don't think. Yeah, it, it can get cold here, and it, it, it's a weird cold. I mean, you're Canadian, and you said it was cold. <laughs> like, it gets cold. Yeah, and, but we we had a lovely weekend. It was a nice yeah. little break, and now, you know, at home now, back at it, doing back some training. Yeah. I know we missed you on Radiothon. I hope everybody enjoyed Radiothon, and I miss Phil, but it was super fun to have Olivia on the line. She was great. Not better than me, right? No. Well, you've been my buddy for six and a half years, so it's a little different. But she was great. Yeah, we got our thing down, right? Yeah, we don't. We we know we we got this thing down, but it was great to have her, and and we missed you though for sure. So. Yeah, but it was it was a busy week. You're going to hear uh, on today on our, our wrap up show of convention a little bit about, you know, what what happened at convention. And it was an interesting week. Uh, literally, I, I got home, took a flight home and, and literally got in the truck to to head south. So so that was that was what was going we'll on. Give you a chance to process it all as we talk about it. Yeah, basically, for sure. I'm definitely processing for sure. But so we do have some really sad news. And, and I think you and I are both going to try to get through this. Um, but we're dedicating the show to our good friend, both of ours, we grew up together, Amanda Johnson, uh, she lost her battle with cancer on the 2nd of December, and she was 37 years old. Um, and I, I first met Amanda, we were both, I think she was 13, and I was 14, or something like that. And we've remained you know, good friends. And so it's really hard. She lost her battle to breast cancer. I met her through, yeah, through the same program that I met Reese and Mm -hmm. a lot of my American friends. And uh, she's such a nice person. Yeah, she's a really, really hard, you know, just a, just such a heart and, and wonderful person and always a smile. And my last memory of Amanda was last regionals last year. She and I, we had our working students, so we weren't driving, we weren't responsible. And, and we had maybe one too many margaritas and we both were like, oh, that was such a bad idea. But now I'm, I'm so glad that that we had an extra margarita and we laughed so much that night and really, really going to miss her. Um, so uh, we are actually putting a GoFundMe link, page. link to her GoFundMe page. Yep. She's her, this fund will be used as a sponsorship for riders and uh, to keep dressage in her name 
continuing. Um, I think it's a great idea. And um, th they've raised a lot of money, like $13,000 in uh, four days. I think she just spread her light all over the place. And she really did. And for all of us trainer friends, she just was just really a wonderful person, a great rider. And my sister and I used to tease her all the time that she could make a donkey piaf because she made some really good Grand Prix horses and you would never have known they would have been Grand Prix horses, but she could make a donkey piaf. And this is definitely going to be, you know, someone we're going to personally, Phil and I will miss a lot. And so uh, please, if you think about it and you want to sponsor or, or go to that GoFundMe page, please do it. This, she really was an amazing person and, you know, a good, just, just, just too young. So if you think about it, we'll have the link on our, on our page and uh, we'll put it on our Facebook page for the Dressage Radio Show as well. So, uh, but again, we, we really think of Amanda's husband and her mom, Barb, who are just wonderful people and, and really have them in, in our prayers, so. Well, right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with Ruth McCormick, an auditor and friend of the show who was at the USDF convention with me. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, tonight I am very happy to have auditor and just a huge fan of the Horse Radio Network, Ruth McCormick on. Ruth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, well, we got to spend some time together last week in Salt Lake City, and you were so great when I said, hey, will you come on the show and, and give us kind of a rundown of the USDF convention? So I'm going to kind of let you take it away. Great. Thank you. It was great to see you too, Reese, last week. And we both won gift baskets, and since neither of us were, got a gift basket or a gift during Radiothon, we really <laughs> hit it hit it the week after. So that was I, great. You have to tell people what that is because that is actually, it's a, such a cool thing. <laughs> it's Okay. Every group member organization brings a gift basket uh, from their area. And when there is a break between speakers of the main body meeting, you know, the, the USDF convention is a business meeting, but it is interspersed with them raffling these baskets off. And George Williams, who was, is the current president, he, he called my name before I even realized they were calling gift baskets. So I won the first one. And then a couple people after me, I hear Reese's name. And that was really great because we both won baskets. And mine was, was from fun. Virginia. And they had lots of good local stuff in it and some horsey things, too. Mine was from Noda, and uh, a lot of my students are come from that area. So that was really fun to, to get their basket. So it was really fun. So yep, it was great. So it, yeah, so well, let's talk about the meeting because uh, I actually didn't know much about it. I personally went in as a PM delegate, which is someone that's elected from the region. So I didn't really know what was going on. And I actually was the a PM delegate for the first time last year. And, and actually, that's something that you're voted on through your region. It's kind of like House of Representatives, if you'd like to say that. But just talk a little bit about the meeting, because I think there were some interesting things that happened, for sure. Great. Well, I was sent as a non-delegate by my group member organization, which is ESDCTA in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So it was my first time ever. And it was a really interesting meet. I mean, it's a meeting, kind of like when you're in a big organization, if that happens to be where your job is, if you're listening, you know, there are a lot of different entities that 
this is the USDF meeting, uh, Dressage Foundation, but then we do a lot of things that relate to the U.S. Equestrian Federation, which is above us, kind of in the hierarchy of organizations. So the big topics were safe sport training, which is based on a, a bill in the in the U.S. Congress and the Senate to provide like harassment training for people involved in sports, so they know what to do if somebody you know, what it is and what to do if somebody says they've been harassed. So that was one of the big topics. And and real quick, just we've done it. We had Sonia Keating on from USEF on the show. And so we have done a, a um, if you look back Safe in, in our shows, segment that we covered. We did, right? And, and all USEF competing members, including owners, um, have to take this training or you will not compete. So that's really important. You will be seeing stuff. And in full disclosure, I'm actually on the USEF uh, rules working group. So I'm on the USEF committee that was also having meetings. And that's something actually that it come through, that, that came through Congress um, and really uh, all USOC member organizations, equestrian being one of those, um, everyone in the organization has to take the training. So there's really no point in complaining other than taking it and doing it. It's online. It's, it's, it's online. Easy. It's relatively easy. It takes about 90 minutes uh, and, and it, it was mandated by Congress. So if you have any questions, USCF Safe Sport, you can call. There's a liaison that is her job that she takes all the safe sport questions. So just remember that as it's cold and snowy, do your safe sport training. It's once a year. And then I think you take a refresher course. So sorry, Ruth, I wanted to jump in there. And No, that's right. And I did mine this weekend. So I have, I now, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was about 90 minutes and um, I checked it off the list. So nobody has to come after me saying, uh, you know, why haven't you done it yet? Yeah. Which and makes they will. work for they somebody will. else. Just get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Just get it done. So thanks. Okay. Back at it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Another another big topic was the freestyle rule change that in order to do a freestyle, you have to have a score of 63 rather than 60. In the, Reese, is it the highest level of the test? That's right. Yep, the highest yeah. level of the test. And it That's may be like... The technical test, yeah. Yep, the yeah. technical test. So, And I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, let's say you want to do second level test three. You want to do a second right. level freestyle. The way the rule is written right now, and it has gone into effect, this is really important in this discussion, the way the rule is written, you need a 63% or higher, but I think if you do a third level, any any test at third level on, the, on that particular horse, you are eligible, and it's just one. It doesn't have to be multiple times. It has to happen once, <laughs> so right. that's also an important part of that rule and it, it has gone into effect as of December 1st. So. Yes, it has. It, it, it was quite controversial. I would say that that was really probably the hottest issue of the meeting and some people were opposed to it because they felt like it would, like people would not be allowed to do a freestyle because they hadn't scored, you know, at that rate, which is true. They won't be able to and that the rule change had not been communicated, you know, early enough for people to plan and, you know, in some cases, People, I mean, they would say like adult amateurs, you know, really want to do it and, and that they might not get a 63. And then like one particular judge said, well, you know, if you can work on your technical and, you know, make your technical part better, say by working on, you know, making your circles really, you know, proper and round and things, then you should be able to get up to a 63 and do it. So that was the controversy, whether, you know, it was right to change the rule or not. And then there were other people who felt like maybe it was a good rule, but it hadn't been properly discussed. For instance, I don't believe it had been discussed last year as an actual um, proposal. So it went from some of the committees and through to the USEF, and they put the rule into effect, believing that it was, you know, the wish of USDF. And because that was because some people didn't agree that it was right, we took a vote to rescind to ask for the rule to be rescinded and that passed. So the USDF is asking for the USEF to allow us to roll it back to 60, but we don't really know. I felt I left anyway, personally, not knowing whether everybody really wanted it to be 60 or some, 
obviously some wanted it to be 60, but others didn't like the process. So that was kind of the most controversial thing. And it was interesting. They actually have a voting machine or machines in the back. So when something isn't going to be generally, you know, really the vast majority, the official delegates actually go to the back of the room and vote by a secret ballot for which change they prefer, you know, how they vote on it. So that was kind of interesting because I had no idea that that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and each each person is carries a certain number of votes. So I actually went in with, I think, nine votes. And I ended up, mm-hmm. I don't remember with this, I had ended up with more for various reasons. Sometimes you'll get more or, you know, one of the, our delegates had to leave because of a personal issue. So they dispersed their votes. So, um, yeah, so that that is something. So that is um, actually uh, that is something I have not also heard um, from on the committees on how that's going to work. I think now it. But basically what people need to realize is that it is still a rule and it is if you want to ride a freestyle this year, you still have to get that 63 percent. So, yeah, that the way the rule was written uh, or the motion was written, it is pretty difficult to know who was mad that it went in at a certain rate and who was mad at the score. So hard to know, actually. And I agree with you. I think that was the way the motion was written was a little bit challenging to know. But it was a, like a 70-30. I mean, it was a pretty significant. Right. right. It, yeah, it was definitely, um, the you know, the majority definitely voted to rescind the rule, to ask yeah. for the rule. To and be it rescinded. was it was the hot topic in every meeting in the bar. Yep, <laughs> it, was the hot, the bar. <laughs> it was the hot topic. It was really, it was very, it was very contentious. Well, and I think, yeah, as soon as the rule came out, I mean, at, uh, here at the Dressage Radio Show, we're getting emails about it and mm-hmm. things. And I'm a little bit like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Reese, take care of this. Yes, go, take to, care of this. go to the meeting. <laughs> it's just like, I'm Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it was, and, and I think, you know, it, it, you know, I think Phil and I come from the trainer's perspective. Um, I think it's important to ride a good technical test. I think to be able to ride a freestyle well, you need to ride a technical test well. You know, so I, yeah, I, I, I think... Yeah, I can see I can see very much the point of the rule. And then, mm-hmm. but I was, you know, reading a lot of things that said that, you know, it may be gone to a committee, but it hasn't, hadn't gone out to the membership to discuss right. and see how people feel about it. So I think that's very, very unfair. Yep. Um, because you need to be really transparent about a real change yeah. that may or may not be very contentious. This one turned out to be contentious. I think they should all be, you know, have a chance yep. for the membership to discuss it, uh, um, let their delegates know how they feel about it, that kind of thing. Yep. And uh, and so maybe that the, the process was subverted and not necessarily, you know, um, communicated well to the membership. I think that's, yes. that and I would I th- say would be the main issue. Yeah, uh, and that was for what was for me. Yeah, and, and then you know, if if you find out that people that most of the membership don't agree with the rule, then you have to kind of go with a democratic way of of doing a rule change like this, and this this is where the problem comes. So, um, hopefully they they can figure it out. I mean, with this vote to kind of to rescind it and maybe send it back to discussions and more mm-hmm. public transparency, probably sounds like the right answer. Right, and and we'll I think what, that brings Ruth and I, you know, Ruth, you had a, you were at a great, we you pulled me aside in one of the coffee breaks and I thought it was interesting to talk about a little bit about the governance. So tell us sort of what you, you felt about that. That was really interesting. Well, I felt like it was, um, you, you forget how complicated things are. I mean, you've got people who write at the FEI, you know, the international levels and they have a set of rules and then the USEF, um, is actually the rule maker for most of our things. I guess it's just giving U.S. Dressage um, Federation the responsibility for the tests over time and some of that. But, you know, really, there are these big bodies, and so you kind of have to negotiate between them. And then you've got a lot of committees. There's a committee for judges and for youth and for freestyle and for instructor training. I mean, I'm trying to think of all the workshops that are offered by these committees to kind of talk about. There's a bylaws committee, you know, so there are a lot of different, I mean, an amazing number of volunteers for, was really one of my impressions because all these, these committees are, are staffed by people, you know, who are volunteering from around the country to figure out what issues they should be tackling and work through them. So 
you know, the whole governance is, governance is kind of complicated when you're a newbie at the meeting, which, you know, makes me understand when I read a lot, you know, the USEF and the USDF stuff, but they each have their responsibilities. So that was really kind of challenging to watch. The other thing, um, Reese, we talked about was when you look around the room, um, if you took out all the people 60 and above, the room wouldn't have been too full. And when you t- if you went down another decade and took out, you know, just had the under 50s, and, and I think that might be partially because you tend to get involved at the higher regional or national level, you know, later on. But we really need to make sure that, that dressage as a sport is addressing the needs of our younger members and that we're getting them involved. And I did sit with some people who'd come through young rider programs who were like 23 at some of the, you know, in some of the programs. But it is an older organization in terms of the leadership. Yeah, I think that that's kind of being a junior member on, on like I'm a junior member on the USCF committees and, um, and, and, and got involved with governance a little bit. I, I kind of got pushed last year. Well, I, again, something had happened and, um, you know, my mom, who was very active in the USDF, and, I, and, and I'll even say that she was volunteer of the year for the organization. So um, I grew up with my mom being very, or, you know, very uh, active in USDF. So that was sort of part of, of what we did. And I went to convention with her and, and, and those types of things. So it kind of came to me a little bit. But I also was mad about something and was, you know, fussing to my mom. And she said, Reese, you can't change it unless you're part of part of the organization. And when she said that, I thought, you know, I, she's right. I need to become mm-hmm. part of this organization and I need to, to get to, that's how it works. And, and it, it, it's not necessarily the easiest thing for all of us. All of us are volunteers. All of us have to go. Um, I was in meetings Wednesday through Saturday. I ended up flying home early um, because it was the same to change my flight as to stay in the hotel. But it was, it, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. It's hard. It's time consuming. It's all of those things, but the organization only runs by people doing that. And so that was, it was so fun to see Ruth, but it was equally as, is good to talk about that is, you know, I'm, I'm still in the 30 some generation and uh, later, but it's still in there. Uh, But every decade it got less and less. And um, you know, it's, it's not good for organization. So uh, Ruth and I honestly will answer any questions about governance. If you have any questions or we will find someone at the office that can help you. But um, I, I ran last year for the PM delegate and uh, that was my first time and I really had to figure out how to do it and who to talk to and took some steps. But uh, I think we both were, were a little bit shocked when we were in there on the, the age of the organization. So I hope that's why we wanted to talk about it on the air because I think right. it's important that we talk about it. So, well, what, what Ruth, what were some other uh, feelings from the meeting that you had? Well, the other thing is I learned a ton about instructor training. I went to the session on that. I also learned kind of how hard it is to do it because be both the time away from, you know, people who have training businesses, but also we're really spread out, you know, and there aren't that many programs running at any one point in time. So that longer term getting to where that's and a, a credential that's really important. to ha- I mean, it's wonderful when people have it now, like you, Reese, but yeah. it's, you know, we don't have that many instructors who are who have the certification at, even at the earlier levels, and it takes a lot to organize those things. And then, so that was one thing I learned about. I would say the the group member organization roundtables were really interesting because it is where they collect a lot of feedback. For instance, there was a whole discussion about in a dressage ring when you're having the BLM championships, whether the ring should be open or closed. You know, when you go to, if you go to like the World Equestrian Games, you know, the ring gets, or an FEI, the the ring gets closed after, you know, after the horse is in and opened, you know, obviously before they come out because we don't want them jumping out. Just kidding. But, you know, so that kind of rule was actually discussed and the region did vote on it. I don't know how the, how I'm in region one, I don't know how the other regions, but so there was a formal feedback process for things that they were looking to change. Um, And one of the considerations for that, and I know that we have the problem in my GMO, is getting enough volunteers. So it's not a very skilled volunteer role. So could we just leave it open and, you know, not have to fill that position? 
was one of it. And then there was a discussion, of course, whether that's practice for when your horse goes to the higher levels for having that happen versus maybe those volunteers not knowing that if it's freestyle, the horse might stop right inside the ring and you're like right almost at their back legs closing the gate. So, you know, there were a lot of little things like that talked about that are kind of the nitty gritty of exactly what the rules should be. Um, We also talked about the budget. We talked about a new regional um, schooling show award program that would go into effect next year, uh, meaning like December 2019, going into 2020, where people could participate in schooling shows who register with USDF and the people have to register once. And then those results count toward getting awards and ribbons at the end of the year in a virtual way, meaning they would get sent the sent the ribbons but yes and that's another way of recognizing the grassroots right yeah we have we have that in region two actually i so i don't know if that started in region two but that is uh, the kathy b jacobs awards for schooling show is already in effect actually oh, okay. so that's cool yeah. that they're they're moving it to other regions yeah and i think like in our region you can get awards from you could just do schooling shows and get awards but you mix, can mix it with recognized so it's a little different in that regard But anyway, you know, it's another way of trying to, you know, even though we're talking about the whole country at this meeting, to try to get elements of things that local groups can use and people can feel good about. And this particular program, everybody would need to be a GMO member, a group member organization, even if even if it wasn't the one where you where you lived or whatever, that is part of it. And then you would have to you know, pay a small fee to be in the program for the year. But, you know, a lot of people really ride for recognition and it's another great way to do it. And I know I looked at our awards in our region and more of the youth apply for awards than the adult riders. So it's another good way of of engaging our younger members. You know, maybe riding school horses and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. So, you know, it was a very interesting when you think about the meeting, because obviously there were people there who were professional riders and various levels of amateurs. A lot of the officers are amateur, you know, adult amateurs. Um, and, you know, some of them don't ride anymore, but they're still very involved in the organization. But going all the way down, if you think about what dressage is like at local barns, um, you know, it could just be a few people, one trainer, could there, there could be a barn where that's a specialty, or it could be an eventing barn where, you know, yeah, they do dressage too. Yeah, I love it. So then the other thing that comes to mind is um, really the kind of the celebration and changing of the guard. Mm -hmm. And I'd say there were two big things. One, George Williams is retiring. And I will tell you, this is the first meeting that I've been to when you say George, that we're not talking about George Morris. Um, (laughs) But George, George Williams is, you know, also very, very well known. It's just, you know, I think after years, but not the George, George, right. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> every, every time they said George, I was like looking for no. George Morris. No, but anyway, George retired. So he talked about how dressage has changed. I think he's been, had been president for about nine years and on the board for about 17. Mm-hmm. And our new president is Lisa Garetta. And, um, I thought she had a lot of executive presence and leadership. She's, you know, She's been lovely, in the organization yes. also for a long time. So, yes. um, that seemed good. And then the other thing that I would say is, and I didn't stay for the banquet either, Reese, is that they were going to celebrate with our silver medal dressage winning Mm -hmm. team from the World Equestrian Games. They were all flying in. We saw Debbie McDonald, but the team, team, you know, each member of the team was coming in later. I don't know that anybody was at the meeting. Um, So that was that I'm sure that made the banquet a really fabulous event in addition to all the other awards that people were getting. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, it looked, it looked like fun. So it really is. It, there are some educational opportunities that happen there. You know, it, it really is. It, 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 there's a lot that goes on. I was pretty tired. I'm sure you were too, Ruth, at the end yes, of it. Yes, absolutely. You go from <laughs> meeting to meeting to meeting and some of they're overlapping. So you really have to make some choices about which ones you want to attend. Yeah, it's true. And we had to review the budget and vote on it too. Yeah. You know, so there was a whole budgeting part of it. So, you know, it's just like another organization. I mean, we're really the 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 ones, you know, the, the board makes its recommendations, but it's the Board of Governors, um, which is uh, delegates, who, who actually vote and say yay or nay on these things. And, you know, they've queued up the budget and they said, okay, if, if we don't 
approve the budget, which does include a $4 increase for group member group members. Uh, you know, each GMO pays like $20 a person, and now it'll be $24 a person. But, you know, for that, the members get the communications. They get almost all all the benefits except for competing for certain awards. And, um, you know, you'd have to go to the website to, to look at the differences. But you can be quite a full member for being a group yeah. member. But we, oh, yeah. we approved the budget, and they told us what wouldn't, if the budget wasn't approved, what they would, you know, how they would balance it. And also, you know, it's very much like, kind of like when you sit down with your family and you say, well, we have this much money, how do we divide it up? Well, fantastic. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for coming on and going through this with us. It was it was a fun, well, it, it is fun, but it, it is also, it is a meeting and it was, a, it was a good experience for us both. And I think we were both glad to be there. Yes, we, I certainly was. And it was great to see you, Reese. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. And we look forward right. to having a report from next year. <laughs> Very good. All righty. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Phil, we actually have Dolly Hannon on next, and she's going to go. She is the chairperson of the USDF Freestyle Committee, and she's going to come on to talk a little bit more about everything that happened in regards to freestyles at convention. Well, tonight we are very honored to have Dolly Hannon. She is S judge, USCF. She is a member of the uh, instructor certification faculty, and she is the chairwoman of the USDF Freestyle Committee. Dolly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it was quite an exciting convention, but there's a lot of really good things that are happening uh, with the freestyles and the new tests that are coming out. So we're going to let you jump right on into that. Okay. Um, As of December 1st, which was, what, last Saturday, the next, the new test cycle took effect, including all new freestyle score sheets and The Freestyle Committee, in conjunction with the Judges Committee, has worked very hard to take all the feedback from judges, scribes, and competitors and come up with a much more clear and user-friendly score sheet. It looks like an FEI freestyle score sheet, and there's much more room for technical comments, and there's much more room to put the scores in without jamming 50 scores in a little tiny box where the poor scribe is desperately trying to fit them in. So there will be a line for each movement. It's much more clear for both the judge and the scribe. There are bolded lines between the gates to make it easier to find. If you've ever scribed a freestyle, it can be a bit challenging. So we're hopeful this will make it a much more doable and pleasant process. There's now only one collective mark on the left hand of the technical side of the score sheet for rhythm elasticity, basically impulsion and gates on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, on the artistic side, nothing's changed. So that is the same. We still have a separate score for music and interpretation because it is a musical freestyle, and we feel that it really needs to be rewarded when it's good. Um, And another new new feature with (laughs) these new score sheets is that for the first time ever, There is the possibility to have an error on a freestyle that's brand new because we did have a few situations where somebody would get a bit creative and come in at second level and above and post the trot portion. So for now until probably forever, if you post the trot when sitting's required, you could incur a two-point error deduction for each time it happens. So I have only seen someone post the medium trots, but it's possible that someone could post more movements than that. The errors will not be cumulative. The judge will not blow the whistle, and you may not be eliminated, but you could get a pretty heavy penalty if you posted. And the judge also could possibly knock you down for difficulty or for harmony just because if you're posting when you're supposed to be sitting, you're you're cheating a little bit. So that's brand new. The and only Dolly, other thing that you can... Dolly, one yeah. question for you, because this happened to my student, actually. She uh, did a, a, by mistake, it wasn't on purpose, a halt to canter transition in a third level freestyle, and that is not allowed. So she had a mistake, had an error. Um, where... 
because I'm asking for a friend, where do you find that? I mean, that's really important that you know if you're doing a freestyle, again, she didn't do it on purpose, but it happened. So where right. can you find that? I mean, that's important because that's well, expensive. Yeah. On the score sheets um, now, it will state what is clearly um, an additionally allowed movement. I do not believe Halt's canter at third level will ever be allowed, but um, I could be wrong about that. Um, so on the score sheets, it'll say what's scored and what is an additionally allowed movement. And a lot of people got into trouble for this because there's been a lot more judges' education, and initially the judges didn't really know. In the past, you could do transitions from a higher level in a freestyle, and it was just considered creative. But now, um, because of the rule change that we had or the awareness of the fact that the freestyles had to be in compliance with USCF rules with the last test cycle before this one, mm -hmm. you cannot do transitions from a higher level unless it's listed on the score sheet. So if someone's doing a freestyle, they need to get that score sheet out and be clear about what they can and cannot do. One thing too is let's say your horse gets excited. I've seen this happen. You're walking along, the horse jumps in the canter, you were planning on trotting. A competitor should always go back to what they had planned to do. So the horse jumps in the canter. Personally, I would trot. And then I would go on and then canter wherever I'd planned to canter. But I would not let the horse just canter on because then the judge doesn't know if you planned it or not. But if you bring the horse back, it's very clear to the judge that you didn't mean for that to happen. So you make the correction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You made the correction. If you make the correction, we're paying attention and we should say, oh, okay, I see. They didn't mean to do that. So you ignore it. It's not scored up or down. Right. And then one other thing to mention, the only other way to incur an error uh, in a lower level freestyle for this test cycle would be if you did not salute in, in one hall to the other or both. So occasionally someone will get nervous and they won't salute. They'll sort of halt, but they don't salute. Now that would incur an error. And if they don't halt at all, that would be... Um, a very low score for the fault. So that's handled a little bit differently. So that's the, there are only two ways now to, to receive an error, but those are new. We've never had that before. So I think that's it about the score sheets. Uh, I Isn't think they're going the to be of much more efficient. Voice? Beg your pardon? Sorry, I was just going to say the third way to incur an error would, be use, would still be use of voice, right? Well, with music playing at the level yeah. that people yeah. want to ride to nowadays, there is no way, unless someone yells at their horse at sea, that you can hear the voice. <laughs> so I have never, personally, I have never marked down for voice because I, you can't hear it, usually. I mean, it would be very yeah. unusual. And, yeah. and so that's, that's, that was brought up, that people and, ride really, really loud, with really loud music, right? That was brought up a few times, actually. Yeah, it's a, it's a big mistake. I talked about it quite a bit last year at the at last year's convention because I had had two different instances where I was judging where the first one, my scribe threatened to quit. And the second one, the scribe hung in there, but I was screaming to be heard because the music was so loud that there was really no way to assess the music, much less, you know, communicate the scores to the poor scribe. It was terrible. So I have said several times to please don't blast out the judge. When you're doing your your sound check, not only stand at X, but walk down to where the judge is sitting, or if there are two judges sitting, and make sure there isn't a speaker pointed right in their face. Yeah, that's, that's speaker placement, really, right? Yeah, it affects the music score. It really does. There's how, how can it not? If you're sitting there yelling and screaming, how can you really appreciate the music, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. how suitable mm -hmm. it is if yeah. it's that loud? So that. That's a mistake. I've had several people say that they wanted to improve their impact, the impact of their music. And I said, well, you know what? I really don't think you received the response you wanted, at least for me, because it was, it was very difficult. So that would be a definite tip. Another just quick tip, make sure that your pattern is clear to the judge. I think sometimes people want to be creative. And if it's confusing, it's hard for the judge to assess what you're doing. So 
Creativity is one thing, use of the quarter lines, use of the center lines, doing something in a strange place like a traveler on a diagonal line looks like a half pass. That's a problem at, at, you know, second level. So just try to really think about when you're choreographing whether or not the judge can clearly see what you're doing or not. I think that's hard at the Another, lower levels is to, yeah, to be creative enough, you know, um, but also... I think you do have to ride something that looks like a pattern, right? Well, it doesn't have to be an identical pattern. It should not look like a test. Although we, I have oftentimes on, on score sheets seen the comment test, like really test, like only pertains to a pattern that's in a current test in exactly the same way. So even if it's flipped to the other side or if it's a similar combination, but done on the quarter line or center line, that's not test-like. So I find, I've found recently with having some huge classes at uh, both the regionals and then I judged this year at the finals, the, there were some enormous lower level freestyle classes that oftentimes the highest scoring freestyles had the horses that were most technically correct. The music was very suitable and enhancing. And they had a clear, sometimes simple pattern that you absolutely knew what they were doing, where and when they were doing it without any confusion. So I think that really, you know, focusing on the suitability of the music and making sure that it really makes your horse look better is quite important. And I think sometimes we, we worry so much about being creative, we get a little, little bit... Um, it becomes a confusing pattern to the judge. So I would just caution against that. And one other thing I wanted to talk about is I've been on the freestyle committee, I think for at least 15 years, and we have been working to improve the judge's education. And in the past three to four years, we've seen more education for the lower level freestyles than we've ever seen before. And we have a big thank you for the IDOC, which is the International Dressage Officials Club. They did a a freestyle forum at the finals last year that was fantastic. And they're going to do one in 2019 again at the finals for the FEI freestyle. So we have a big opportunity now with the numbers of freestyles at the finals to really help our judges in their education and make sure we're all on the same page. Because it can be confusing if you get different opinions. So that, that's been very exciting. I and believe that at this point, over 50% of the S judges have the additional freestyle uh, asterisk or designation for additional training. So that's, that's going in the right direction. And pretty soon, the judge at C will have to have the additional freestyle education designation for all regional finals and at the national finals. And eventually, I believe it'll be required for all judges, but that's going to take some time for the judges to get to a program and get that covered. Oh, well, the numbers exciting. are up, that'll right? Make a big difference. Yeah, that'll be a big yeah, The numbers are um, up, right? The numbers are up. Um, I believe that it's over 20% increase. I know from my experience um, at the regional finals for Region 2, we judge nine hours of first and second level freestyle. And at the finals, I had one day of warm-up freestyles, nine hours of first and second level freestyles with a few, maybe a couple of third and fourth at the end of the day. So the numbers are definitely up. I think the finals are really making a difference in making the lower level freestyles a big goal for people. And so we're very pleased to see this growth and this excitement about performing a lower level freestyle. Yeah, and they're fun. I, I've done them myself and, and for clients' horses, and they had a blast. I was seeing their horse and made it to the Nationals, and then I had a student this year, several students that did it, uh, which was quite fun. So it really is it really is great fun. But now we have a little elephant in the room, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the 63% oh. rule a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> You've been a good sport. Yeah, there's there's some technical aspects of this that, that maybe didn't get communicated well, and we're going to help get that out. Okay. Well, effective December 1st, again, last Saturday, 
uh, a rule change was uh, put into place that requires any competitor that's going to perform a freestyle having to have had or to achieve a 63% at the highest test of the level or at a higher level in order to perform a freestyle. There has been a prerequisite requirement, there we go, I can say it, for over 14 years. So it's not that the initial score of 60 is new, but in this case, um, the way that it ended up um, being presented and being voted on didn't really allow for members to give comment. So it's been very controversial. And the Freestyle Committee, in combination with the Judges Committee, had been discussing this for a couple of years. We did discuss it at the convention last year. And um, we submitted a rule change proposal to USCF in April of 2018. And at that point, we didn't know when it would be voted on or approved. We did request that it be in sync with the new test cycle so that it wouldn't come in half halfway through the test cycle. But um, we sent the rule change in and apparently it was not voted on by USDF until August. And so the members really um, didn't really find out about it until September or October. So um, at this point, it has, uh, well, it was brought up on the floor of the Board of Governors meeting at the convention to um, remove this requirement or, you know, roll back this rule change. And it has gone to the USEF Sport Committee for discussion. So at this point, um, the Freestyle Committee really can't make any comment or doesn't have any role in what happens next. But there's been a lot of talk about um, how we don't care about the lower levels or we don't care about the average horse or rider. And speaking as a, speaking as a judge and as a trainer and a freestyle competitor, I really beg to differ. I very oftentimes when judging will see a fairly, a fairly average horse. I mean, you know, it has three pure gates, but they're not necessarily scopy or very long strided. They come in, they're correctly on the aid, they are on the bit, they are happy, they're ridden in harmony, they show a correct, accurate test, and they generally do not have problems scoring between the 65 to 66, and a 63 is more than doable, because of the correct basics. It's not just about the fancy gates. So at one point, an idea had been um, brought up about the possibility of people, if they really felt that they would have trouble getting the 63%, might be able to submit a video to a, a group of judges who would volunteer their time to look at it and give them their feedback. I'm not sure that um, that has been fleshed out or discussed further, but we definitely have had some discussions about how to help people feel that they could make this requalification process more doable. Right. Yeah. So, so again, just so everyone's clear, it was, it was voted to go back to USEF, but as of right now, in this test cycle, or at least for this year, you have to receive a 63% or higher at the highest test of the level, technical test, or any test above, correct? It could be, if you're doing second level, it could be third level. You have to get a one 63% to be able to enter the horse show to do your freestyle as it stands right now. That, that's correct. And chances are, I mean, I can't, you know, I don't have any idea what the timetable is, but I, I'm not even sure when the, the committee, the sport committee would meet next. But my guess would be people that are asking me personally, I say, look, plan on the 63%. If something changes, I'm sure we'll all hear about it. But this is the this is the rule for right now. And right. again, certainly no intention to surprise people or sneak it through. And I think that at least for me personally, I realize that um, in terms of rule changes, following the process and understanding how it works for all of us is very important. 
Yes, I, I would agree with that. And, and, and it is uh, when you learn a little bit more about USEF, sometimes uh, rules have to go into a place to, to sort of follow the process. Um, so, uh, but it is important and, and obviously uh, they will look at the governance and, and that's why we've been talking all show why it's important to be a part of the governance process of our sport. It really does impact. So, um, but Dolly, you've put in so many hours with this and we can't thank you enough. And for all the things that you do, this is just a small part, but there really have been some amazing ch test changes with the freestyle and, and how it's going to be easier for everyone. And we really, really are thankful for your time. So, Dolly, what are some closing thoughts that you have on, on the a whole issue? <laughs> well, just a couple of things. There's no question that the freestyle committee will closely monitor the number of freestyle competitors that we see this next coming year. And um, we'll, we'll look at the impact on the adult amateurs and the juniors. There was quite a bit of information swirling around before the convention that was based on um, some data that was not complete. We're not, uh, I'm sure that they spent a lot of time on gathering data. However, USDF is the only one that has the complete data. So at the time that we came to the convention, my understanding personally was that about 9% of competitors would need to requalify. Now, if you're one of those 9%, obviously this really affects you personally, but that, that was my understanding. And I wanted to get that word out there because the, the other information that was saying that a, a, a large number of people would be prohibited from competing, at least according to our data and analysis was not correct. So I just want people to know yeah. that we're going to study it and we're going to wait and hear what the, USCF Sport Committee has to say and, and what action they take. Well, great. Well, Dolly, again, thank you for your time. And how can our listeners find you online? I can be found, if anyone wants to contact me or has any questions, at www.dollyhannondressage.com. That's my website. And I would be happy to answer any questions pertaining to this topic or anything else to do with with freestyle. Fantastic. Well, Dolly, thanks so much for your time and we look forward to having you on again. Well, thank you for inviting me. Happy holidays. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, you and I know it's almost holiday time and it's, it's gift giving season, right? It's gift giving season. And, and everybody Hanukkah. knows yeah. all, all the holidays. And, um, so as always, Total Saddle Fit would be a fantastic gift for yourself, your horse, your trainer, anybody. Total Saddle Fit has so many options now and so many great girths and Phil and I truly use these every day on all our horses and we really think it would be a great addition to your holiday under your tree or however or if you give gifts. You know what I'm saying. So if you have any questions, <laughs> uh, go to totalsaddlefit.com and uh, look at all the fantastic products, the stretch tech, shoulder relief girth, the shoulder relief girth. There are so many options. So I hope that helps. Saddle as your pads are there. Yeah. Saddle pads, yeah. girths, all of it. So we hope that helps in your holiday planning. So Phil, well, actually, Jen, you have a total saddle fit tip of the yeah, week. It's not and coming from me. It's not coming from me yeah, this time. We don't know what get, it is, everybody. We're going to get surprised. Yeah. Stealer right. choice. It's going gonna, it's okay. gonna to be, we're springing this one on you. This is not a, uh, this is not going to be a surprise that you would expect people to ask this sort of question this time of year, right before the holidays. And yes, I would love a total saddle fit shoulder relief girth as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they come in regular length as well as dressage people, so I can have one. <clears throat> yes, but this <laughs> one, this one came from um, Abby on Facebook. Uh, I have an early New Year's resolution. This winter, I want to maintain condition for me and my horse, so that when springtime rolls around, we don't have to waste a lot of time getting fit from total vacation winter. <laughs> 
We have an outdoor with good footing, and I can haul to an e- indoor on weekends. But we are in the Northeast, so we do have winter in all caps. Do you have Rito any? Winter. <laughs> do you have any? Rich? Not Disney winter. Not Disney winter. Not Disney winter. <laughs> Not Disney. Philip was complaining about how no, cold it was at Disney. Not fair. so, Phil. Phil, um, you jump in on this one first because you're you're really you're the winter guy. <laughs> Conditioning, eh? Yeah, she says she wants to maintain her condition versus advancing skill. So I think it's just a case they don't right, want to turn right. into couch potatoes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, I think the best exercises that you can do to maintain condition and and really improve your horse is transitions. I know we talk about it a lot, but uh, it's just so important to the basic training. And no matter what level you're doing, you should be really working on on, on these transitions. And, and even if your horse is not a dressage horse, uh, jumping horse, what you know, whatever, I mean, to just do a lot of walk, trot, walk, trot, walk, trot. You're trying to um, teach your horse to be responsive to your leg uh, aids and to your hand aids and, you know, try and keep things interesting because the horse doesn't know when you're going to ask for them to, to do either, to switch gates, you know. So that keeps things interesting and it's really uh, a great workout for the horse. And if you're doing it well as a rider, you're, you're following your horse forward when you want them to go forward and you're using your position really well to to not to not you're the optimum is to not use the reins when you want to come to a downwards transition so you're kind of activating activating all those core muscles and learning to use your weight aids to influence the stop and go basically these are my favorite things that i'm working on over the winter with my own horses and with my students horses and uh, like i said it can help all horses not just dressage horses and um, you know, I think doing 10 walk trot transitions is better than doing 10 laps of trot because 10 laps of trot is number one boring and it is easier for the horse to maintain one gate to then to be changing all the gates or in between the gates. So, and, um, and Phil, I'm going to jump in because I actually also think I, I, I took Abby's question even a little different, maybe not even from the riding standpoint, because, um, there are going to be days that you can't ride. I'm, I'm assuming because with an outdoor and the snow yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, right. I, I kind of took this also, I totally agree with you and I'm going to be doing that <laughs> too. But Abby, I was also thinking, you know, from the fitness standpoint, I think there's some great online fitness programs now that you can use. So, um, and we're going to have Nicola on, but I've been doing the dressage, um, rider training and it's a great program. It's focused on riders. Um, to be perfectly honest, it's not incredibly expensive. You can do it at your house. Uh, you could do it at your own pace. That's just one. I'm sure there are many other online fitness tools that you can use for yourself. I also, I'm sure there's going to be days uh, where even hand walking, and I know that that's better than nothing, but you know, get out there and, and walk for 20 minutes with your horse if it's too cold to, to get on them. Uh, I found that that is helpful. So there are other options too. There are for sure riding exercises, but there are a lot of things online. And again, a lot of groups now on Facebook that sort of help you on your journey. So um, I, I was going to add that in too, because I kind of took that also as yeah. how do you stay yeah, fit? Talk. Yeah. And there's, you know, just even Without if you did a yoga ride, class. Sure. Yeah. Do a yoga class. That that's obviously for you. Uh, if your horse is going out, he'll probably keep himself a little bit fit in the pasture. Uh, and even on the weekends, if you can ride two or three days a week uh, hauling, that's better than nothing. So, but from the riding stamp, from the fitness standpoint, I actually love picking up a yoga class or something when it's cold and dark. And uh, I always kind of like doing that. So that was how I was taking that uh, as well. So we hope that helps you. Uh, and again, we we're it's always fitness. I think fitness for riders is always um, a challenge no matter where you are actually Um, so we hope that helps well as always we love questions like that from Abby we love them Uh, but email and Facebook shout outs as you guys know we love those as well Um, the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education competition and achievement visit uscf.org for more information That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. 
My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week.